Hello, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 41, the podcast where apparently no one knows what a mushroom is at all. Like, <laughs> neither the concept, nor the premise, nor the, the word at the very least, because that's never once mentioned in this episode. I kept waiting for someone to go, oh, like a mushroom. Not even just like on visual reference, where visual reference is definitely enough alone to be like, that's clearly a mushroom. But Sam takes a sample. Yeah, and they're and like, nah, it's not a gets, fungus, it's fine. Like, I don't know, maybe they were just trying to make, because th this is definitely one of those episodes where they're trying to make the alien planet be especially alien. So maybe they didn't want to say mushroom because they wanted it to be just a completely unique plant from another world. So I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And yeah, I uh, I always kind of laugh at Stargate environments because obviously, as we've already learned, Richard Dean Anderson used to kind of hate how every single place looked like, you know, Canada. Um, <laughs> and so we, we always really appreciate, like, hell, I love that one that took place with the copper sulfate crystals. Yeah, the yellow sand. Yeah, and so yeah, I always appreciate, you know, unique stuff, but Stargate Universe, try as they might, kind of fell into the same thing, which is that every planet somehow, not only, by the way, this this starship was so far away from Earth that it was multiple galaxies away, and yet every planet still had your average green terrestrial-looking uh, deciduous trees, coniferous trees, actually, more like coniferous than deciduous, mm -hmm. but yeah, lots of fucking pine trees, and there was like one where they like clearly spray-painted everything with blue paint, which I appreciated the effort, but it was still kind of like, that's a blue sword fern, it's, it's still just a sword fern. It's the most common plant in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and you think you're fooling anybody with some blue paint on a sword fern. I mean, ultimately, I get it. It's I love it. I love for, the attention to detail a, when they try, but I laugh every time. Yeah, for a, a show that theoretically is supposed to go to an entirely different planet every episode, it's just not... It's not feasible. Yeah, yeah, it's not feasible, feasible to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the same way that, like, my dream version of this show would be, especially when you've got on your first contact team a linguist who knows, like, 27 different languages, if on every new planet he had to use one of those languages. Yeah. But it's not feasible. As much as I would love that, it's not feasible. Feasible. It is what it is, and I, I'm definitely not using, using this as an excuse to, you know, diss the show, but it always kind of cracks me up when they just genuinely have no idea what they're doing with their environments. Yeah. Um, because in this one, the whole thing is based on a plant, which, I mean, I, I guess I can't really remember my basic science. I remember, like, weird, complex details past my basic groups, but when it comes to, like, the actual groups of how, like, things are broken down in the, like, animal and plant kingdoms, I can never remember if all fungi are a plant or not. Like, I don't think they are. I think they actually are separate. But... Yeah, I think they are, actually. It. I'm trying to flash back to uh, being an actual child, and I had um, these little educational... this little educational card game about the... Uh, to the circle of life. Yeah, <laughs> to to quote Lion King here. Yeah, um, that I got from the Discovery Store. For some reason, I remember this card game distinctly, but I don't fully remember like the rules or anything. But I think it basically had something to do with like playing down cards that would like more or less devour the next card. You know, like the chain, the food chains, and stuff. And I distinctly remember that, like, when you got to, like, animals, the thing you could play on top of animals was fungus. 
Because when go. they died and decayed, the fungus right. would feed off of it. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it, that's kind of like where I'm at, where it's like I vaguely remember, like, seventh grade science telling me this. And I remember, for example, like, I, when they, um, you know, when they see what the roots are of these, you know, quote-unquote plants, I'm like, yeah. oh, those are, like, clearly mycelium, mycelia. I can't pronounce it right for the life of me. I'm not an actual fungi expert here. Anywho, this is a good episode. Let's do this. Yeah. Today... We're covering Season 2, Episode 19, One False Step. I I do like the episode. I like the title. I like the basic idea of it. I even like that it's in the first two seasons, you know, those basic setup oh, seasons for shows. Not, this could not happen past Season 2. Yeah, no, it would have been dumb past Season 2. A- absolutely dumb. Um, I'm a little annoyed it didn't happen earlier, because that, this is something I have been talking about for for, like, since yeah, the beginning yeah, yeah. of the show, which is, I'm sorry, but you are definitely causing ecological impact every time you step through that gate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's literally will, no way you aren't. I will give the show credit for the fact that they do, like, point out why <laughs> in this episode. So here's the thing. You know smallpox blankets, right? <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. I'm s- I, I'm not saying that it works. Okay, because I'm on the same page there, because I'm like, nah, dog, that's not even close to how no, that works. I know. <laughs> okay. I think it once again comes down to the fact that Google didn't exist back when the show <laughs> was being written. So, okay, like, you yeah. can't expect these people to be disease experts. Like, I can expect them to know how old contagions are and how no, the no, immune no. system the works yeah, in no. a basic concept. I, I would expect that, actually. I would argue that the weakest points of this episode honestly come down to the fact that... Um, so, this, this episode is written and directed by completely new people. Our director is William Corcoran. Uh, William Corcoran. And it's written by Michael Kaplan and John Sanborn. And I do think some of the weakest points of this episode come down to the fact that it's a brand new writing team. Yeah, no, I, I will definitely give you that. You are not wrong. I, it's still me, though, so I'm still going to be mad no, that I didn't do it right. But no, here's the thing. I love this episode. I was, I've, said this, yeah. I've been saying this for weeks now, how much I've been looking forward to this episode. So despite the obvious, like, really, in this in a few spots, it's not like every single episode. It's not a bunch of instances of me going, God damn it, this part sucks because it's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, the moments so, really are just like, this could have been solved with Google nowadays, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I just, it was, a, yeah, for me it was a lot of little stupid things yeah, in this episode, exactly. not huge stupid things. No. Except for, of is... course, actually, I actually, I take that back real quick, Mel, because it's kind of, it's kind of that, except it's also kind of more of a case of what Matter of Time was to me, which was, it's a great episode, but it's built on an opening premise that it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> So this is based on an opening premise that is technically hella fucking inaccurate because there is no way in hell that this is the first time their presence has caused an ecological impact of this kind of negative nature. Yeah, that's literally no way. This this probably should have happened in season one. Yes. But I also feel like that does sort of come down to a new team because uh, we'll get into it more when we get to the when we start actually talking about the scenes. But I noticed there were several moments of this episode where you can see that it's like something that shouldn't actually be talked about anymore. But because they're new writers and they haven't had a chance to talk about these things yet, they're bringing them back. And I feel like the fact that it is new writers to this show, they kind of 
they probably came from the outside and looked at it and went, why hasn't this happened yet? See, that part I'm down with because, yeah, why hasn't it? And they did their best with what they had to give an answer as to why, which scientifically it doesn't measure up, but they tried at least. We've had writers completely wave off trying, so oh, at yeah, least God. they tried. I just would have appreciated if this episode had been, like, I don't know, not just in- Okay, when I say it should have been switched order-wise with- Holy fuck, what is the episode? The one with the- as it turns out, it was the Furlings, most likely, their tech. Oh, the shitty touchstone. Um, touchstone. Thank you. It's not that this one should be switched in order with Touchstone. It's, a, it's that tor Touchstone needs to die. And then the <laughs> Touchstone is just gone. This episode could have been there because it's not really chronologically dependent on anything. No, no, it's um, not. And it doesn't, doesn't seem to be anything, a no. footstone of any sort. No. So mm -hmm. I think it would have been just as out of place in the order of episodes as Touchstone was. I mean, Touchstone... Um, Touchstone, some things happen in Touchstone that we do need that happen after Touchstone. Ah, shit. Okay. Well, fine. But still, I would have appreciated this episode earlier. Because <laughs> it's no, a great no, concept. No, no, I do think it would have worked better in season one. But these yeah. writers weren't there for season one, so. <laughs> well, I would have appreciated it even earlier in season two. Like, this is episode, like, what, 19 or something? Yeah, season? it's almost, the season's almost over. No, it <laughs> right? should definitely, this it is... should have happened sooner. But I appreciate that these writers did go, hey, hold on a minute. <laughs> so on that note, on that note, let's uh, read the synopsis, the official synopsis, so we can get into the details of this episode. On a routine reconnaissance mission, the SG-1 team discover a new friendly life form. But the encounter turns deadly for the new race because of a virus SG-1 inadvertently introduces. Can SG-1 develop a vaccine before this plague eradicates a peaceful civilization? Okay, that's actually not terrible. Yeah, the thing is, most of the things they say in this synopsis are wrong. But, but it's also it's stuff the, the episode is... Would, yeah. yeah, it's what the viewer would think is happening at the beginning. Yeah. It's what the episode is also telling you up until the end. I actually, one of my notes on here, as far as I hiccup. How dare you? I, I even noted in this, I do enjoy the build of this. They actually craft a bit of a mystery, you know? Yeah. It's not like it's an Agatha Christie level one, but again, it's an episode. You don't have forever. Yeah, no, there's a moment in this uh, where I really appreciate that they like, see, here's the thing, obviously Google didn't exist, and they're ultimately wrong about, like, the path and pattern of uh, pathogens, but, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They do still put, like, effort into this to where, like, I, there's a part in this later on where, like, all of the team members list a possible cause for Janet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate I that. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, and it's really thoughtful to the process that she would have to be going through. That scene was written by somebody who I think has, like, medical background and yeah. is a little cross at how this team has been has been acting since day one. Which is, oh yeah, we, um, by the way, since we got here, we have rampantly exposed them to no less than six different things that are completely and utterly foreign to them. Yeah, that's the Alien thing. Like to I them, said. as the episode keeps talking about. It. These are entirely alien things to their entire bodies. Yeah. And we did this to them in less than an hour, so have fun. <laughs> yeah, like I said, like, these are new writers, and I feel like they looked at some of the weaknesses that haven't been addressed in the show so far, and yeah. did their best to address them. No, I am. I, like I said, I appreciate the hell out of the effort of of the of the idea of it. I really like that it was here. 
I, my only real issue with it is that they weren't given this opportunity earlier. Sooner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is more of an SG-1 problem in this case. Like, I have a problem with the entirety of the show for this because it's like, hey, producers, why did you wait? But other than yeah, that, no, I, I have no real complaints about the yeah. team who made the episode. Like, I'll have a bunch mm-hmm. of little complaints later, but yeah, yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. of this episode is independent of how the order happens, because as we're definitely realizing, I don't think anybody has any idea how the fuck order happens. To be fair, season two has mostly done a very good job with the order of the episodes. If we go by the Wikipedia order of episodes instead of the DVD order of episodes, they make sense. And a lot... What I think shows a lot more in season two than season one is there are a lot of events that'll happen in an episode of season two that directly play into something that happens an episode or two later. Which season one was a lot of monster of the week lore kind of episodes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not technically disagreeing. I'm just pointing out that the order is suspect and this episode definitely needed to be earlier. No, this one definitely needed to be earlier. I'm not arguing that point at all. There's nothing that happened before this that affects what happened in this episode. So, yeah, it was chronologically independent. Yeah, there's this this episode has nothing to do with with any other episode. So it could have 100% been slotted in earlier, easily. Yeah, yeah no, I, um, I actually can't wait to get into this episode, because this one, I was thinking about like things about it that make it independent, and I was laughing about how it's also independent, and it's one of the few episodes that actually points out safety measures that I've been complaining about the lack of. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, for example, they show the blast doors opening and closing several times, and I'm like, oh, that thing you should always be doing? Yeah. That's why I feel like you would appreciate these writers. I feel like these writers are coming from the same place as us. Where we go, hey, what about this thing? <laughs> yeah, it's just too bad this is literally their only work yeah. for the uh, show. So it was but nice you know but while it lasted. Yeah, and it speaks it speaks highly of them that the one time they write an episode for this show is one of my favorite ones to reference. Specifically yeah, no, for one, one scene with Michael Shanks, but still it's I could it's practically an that I will never hear forget. You. Yes. I could yes. practically hear you when he did the dance. Yes! Literally because I have to do the dance too every time I tell people about it. Because it's yeah. so amazing. Uh, he is terrific at that. I still like his little flying interpretation better. Yes, that one's also good. Great That's directing great in shot. that scene. Great I know, right? in that it's scene. A great shot. The cut between it. outside to inside uh. is so good. Plus it's literally just one long shot following him as he turns with the uh, two uh, fungi dudes in the middle yeah. acting as the center point. It's really nice. Well, and also like the transition from the team outside to cutting inside to show what he's doing. That also good directing. So yeah, yeah. I think like, I'm going to say this right now. I think the writers and directors of this episode were both great. Yeah, no, it's too bad the director's only back for one more episode after this. All right, so All right let's, let's get into this. the actual yeah. episode. Let's do this. Let's try and record in less than three hours this time. Yeah, we beat it by two minutes last time, so... <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the episode opens up with them launching one of those plain UAVs through the gate for long-range reconnaissance. So the one thing... <laughs> my one immediate complaint about this is apparently the team itself has already gone onto this planet. <laughs> Yeah, you should do these aerial shots before, I think. I know! I was like, what? what? <laughs> and they specifically make a point of it! <laughs> They're like, yeah, because they send it out for long-range reconnaissance, because it can go further than the mouth, which is a great plan. And apparently this is something that they're newly testing. Um, yeah. Although they've apparently done it a couple of times already at this point, because Jack says he loves seeing it get sent through the yeah. gate every time. So, by the way... 
this is the first first uh like literally opening scene they do a great job of showing the blast door shutting like sam leaves the uav goes to the control room and as she's leaving the blast doors close which while i do enjoy it it also makes me laugh because there's like a thousand scientists in lab coats still just hanging out in there it's like oh good to know they're all just you know expendable i guess yeah yeah so they sent it through and we find out that sg1 has already gone onto this planet once but when they went um they only did like an initial scouting uh very close by the gate and didn't see anything um, i would have appreciated a follow-up line here about why they're sending the uav now like and we detected yeah. cool minerals and that's why we're doing this because like They've talked about other times that they've discovered interesting things, but, you know, because they were hoofing it, they didn't think they might discover it, so they've used the plane before. Like, I mean, this is not new, and yet they just don't bring up why they're doing this. I would suggest the reason... Now, this is... I definitely think they should have had a line about this, but I think the reason they're sending one through is because of the fact that at this point, SG-1 is used to a civilization being very close to the gate. Because the gate is usually a religious icon of some kind. So right. people are usually near the gate. So I feel like if they go to a planet that they don't, within like an hour, see anything, that's when you would be like, well, let's see if there is anything past this. Right. You don't want to just go out to a planet and take like a quick 10 minute walk around and be like, well, there's nothing here. Time to go back. Right. No, that makes sense. But it just would have been nice to hear about it. Yeah. And I do, like I said, I was kind of like, why are you sending a UAV out yeah. after like what? They got you sent your there team through? Like, what are looking for here? Yeah. yeah. It was just weird. It was just odd more than anything. It wasn't really, yeah. it wasn't like the worst. Like I said, it's a lot of little stupid things. Exactly. Exactly. And I, like I said, I think a lot of the small things come down to it's a new team who are asking the questions that we've been asking this whole time, you know? Yeah. My uh, other complaint is uh, extremely valid. Uh, I haven't seen Walter in quite a few episodes, and I need him to come back now. Right? It's a totally new guy in the seat. I'm like, here's Walter. Well, here's the thing. I can't remember if he's actually new because I've seen the show so many times. I know him. I know his face. I've seen him before in this role. I don't think I've seen him before. I just don't remember if it's been literally up until now in this this particular watching or if it's because I remember him from other episodes. It's always kind of a confusing moment for me. All I know is I want Walter back. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for, like, the next couple episodes to see if he's there. Because yeah. I don't remember his face. Yeah, no, we're in a Walter deficit. And we, yeah, oh, know, you mean, you mean for the Walter new guy. Back. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for him, too. But, yeah, so the the UAV is, you know, flying through the air. And then Sam says that it's starting to, like, lose altitude. So she decides <laughs> to take, like, remote control access of it. And flies it directly into a tall plant. I know it's not her fault, but she had so much space to miss. I know. I'm like, okay. Because she's like talking about, I can't pull it up. It's like, okay, you could steer it away from the mushroom at least. Like, you still have like like, glide potential, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Like, because she specifically says she can't get it to pull back up. Fine. Steer it to the left a little, Sam. You are aimed directly at a plant right now. What are you doing? But yeah, so she crashes the UAV into a weird plant thing. It's clearly a mushroom, but it's this clearly is an a alien fucking mushroom. plant, so it's not a mushroom. <laughs> it's a mushroom with protoplasm blood. And Sam points out that they need to go collect it because there's like a the the camera or whatever on it. They need to get oh uh, the flight recorder. I think she said for yeah, the data flight recorder. Uh, because she wants to see what's gone wrong with it as well. Yeah. Plus, there was the fact that they were detecting heat. 
signatures, and they yeah, want yeah. to know maybe Sorry, what that was. Sorry, before it crashed, they detected his signatures, so they're like, this is probably civilizations. And so, as she's talking about, we need to go collect it, a man wanders through the crash camera vision and kind of looks up at it, and then just starts dragging it away, and everyone's Ooh, like, shiny. Huh. <laughs> All right, so here's the part where I'm, I'm mentioning it because you catch it twice for 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 realsies in this show. Those are clearly fabric jumpsuits to like okay. the audience because it's you can see the zipper in this shot just a yes. tiny bit. But you can see the top of it, and then later and there's a full the on back shot. Yeah, yeah, no, and there's a full on back shot of a different guy later where you're like, oh, so it's definitely just a zipped up jumpsuit. He says they put this paint on and it seems to dry into a second skin. I'm like, okay, cool, but the white paint looks distinctly white. So what the fuck are you talking about? Because the rest of their bodies is covered in, like, not white. Okay, so, I will say, yes, I did notice the zipper. <laughs> Although I will give the director credit that he did his best to, like, move the camera around. Like, even when he's... Because I noticed that when they're... Later on, when all of them are gathered, there is one moment where you definitely see the zipper on one of the guys. Yeah, But after like that on one that accidental shot... shot he does his best to, like, angle it so you get only, like, the shoulder and you don't yeah. get a direct line of their back. Yeah, and they did a good job blending it in makeup-wise as much as I could on the skin and stuff. I'm not criticizing their attempt. It's just I just want to answer one way or, or another right here and now. Two things. One, is Daniel insinuating that that white stripey paint that's definitely painted on in a couple of stripes, not a full body style, is the same thing that's covering them because if so I have questions. No, I think he's I think at least what I got from this is cuz especially when you like when he says that and you take a second look at them, I think he's kind of suggesting there are two body paints. Okay. See, that's I think it's like if so if he's insinuating the other thing, I just it's one of those like little details where it's like it's missing and therefore yeah, it causes no. quite a few questions with its absence. No, I get you. Yeah, it's not perfect, but I do think that even introducing that as a concept into the script at all gives the bodysuits a little bit more leeway than if they'd just been like, yeah, this is just their naked bodies or whatever, you know? I, I guess, and I'm not even saying that it doesn't make sense, because they all seem to be, from our perspective... Androgynous? Yeah, they all seem androgynous, but they definitely don't seem to have outward genitalia of any sort. Yeah. They don't well, seem to reproduce in the same way that we do, in other words. I mean, ultimately, I think they're supposed to be plant people. Pl so, right. Which it makes th sense. I'm getting my Farscape reference yeah. out of the way now. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. They, they do plant people better, I'm just saying. There's an entire species in Farscape that literally consists of actual plant people. They don't have bones. They have strengthened fibers from uh -huh. like, you know, plant, like kind of like plant yeah, stalks, plant basically. Yeah, the whole species is uh, sapient, evolved plant life. And it's really fucking cool. I just laugh at it because this is actually around the same year, obviously, that Farscape was um, being developed because it didn't start, I think, until 99. But I do like how two different sci-fi shows both came up with this concept in like the couple of year lifespan. <laughs> I mean, I I'm sure there's tons think... of other uh, plant life out there. I think there's one in, like, Mass Effect, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, I don't think a race of, an alien race that is more plant than person, but still, like, I don't think that's an entirely foreign concept. I can't oh, no, no, come no. up with an example, but I know it's a concept. Yeah. It's not 
a new thing. Yeah. I'm not no. saying that, like, oh, they're taking, like, old, you know. Oh, no, so, like, no, 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 no. I just think it's really cool, because I just like to, yeah. uh, that's why I was getting my Farscape reference out of the way now, is while Farscape does plant people, I think, in a cooler manner, I just like seeing different concepts of life. That's my favorite thing about sci-fi, is very different forms of life. It's always a cool idea that I like to yeah, explore. Yeah, I appreciate this show every time they don't have just the clearly transplanted humans, which they don't do it very often, and I get why, because the entire concept of this show is based right. on transplanted humans, which also manages to save them a lot of money because you don't have to do the Star Trek thing where every episode you have to have wild makeup on everybody. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Um, I will say, though, that, like, on the white paint thing, they did something really smart with it, mm -hmm. where um, they actually, you know, the darker, whiter paint that is what they put on Daniel, although I'm assuming from this that they have more than one kind of paint, because he does say, like, they're not naked, so obviously... We That's what kills me. One they, shade. There's yeah. got to be another shade. I understand what you're saying, but I was mostly just like, then why did you have that line if you weren't going to show it? Because all I see is you rubbing out white paint while you're saying that. So you're giving me a very con no, I confusing it. visual, and I yeah. just I don't appreciate it. I can I can extrapolate, but I'm not happy about it. But one of the things I do think they did really well with the white paint is that looks like caulk by the way with them doing the swooping like patterns with it and everything mm -hmm. if you noticed a lot of them have it around like the collarbone so yeah. it shields the collar of the jump jumpsuit yeah it veils the collar of the jumpsuit quite well actually yeah no it's not terrible but yeah so we're, we're just establishing that yes they are supposed to be naked and yes it's very obvious to the naked eye that they are in fact not naked and covered in yeah. jumpsuits but when I was a kid, I remember demanding my mother come into the room and watch this and tell me if they were naked or not, because I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. And she, I don't remember what her answer was, because I remember it being utterly unsatisfactory. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not, no, that doesn't work. And like, just basically dismissing her. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the fact that they decided to, you know, have this many people, like, obviously they were on Showtime, so they had a decent amount of money. But if you have to make that many people look like they're, you know... Naked? Androgynous naked satisfactorily, there's only so much money you can spread around each person. I think they could have done a better job if they'd only had, like, three of them as opposed to, like, two dozen of them, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, and I appreciate them actually having a, a sensible group of people. All of these people do pretty good jobs. You know, even the kid did a pretty decent job of just yeah. standing there. Because you have to be, you know, expressionless and you can't, like, do the things that are more natural to you. Well, I do kind of wonder if because these people don't, obviously don't have lines, but they're a lot more of a, a, a physical acting thing, if mm -hmm. maybe they aren't hiring from a, the normal pool. Because, you know, yeah, like, maybe. for some roles, like, I can't, again, my, my specific examples are terrible right now. But I remember there's some, I feel like it was probably for like some sort of zombie thing or whatever, where for casting for it, they didn't actually hire like actual actors, but like dancers. That makes sense. So I wonder if for something like this, where you don't have to talk, but you do have to do all like physical kind of emoting, if they didn't specifically go to like an acting school or whatever, but went somewhere else for their, their pool of people. Hell, not, not every actor even goes to acting school, so. Yeah, no, that's, I, when I said acting school, I'm like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to establish whether those suits were real or not, because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, no, I definitely saw a very clear zipper at one point, and I was like, eh. Yeah, I just wanted to know what we were saying officially, because it's it's too eye-glaringly obvious to not talk about. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, but yeah, so... So, they get their plane stolen. Yeah, so then the team goes through, and this is where I was like, oh yeah, this is clearly, you know, new writers wanting to, you know, do the, the Stargate thing. So, um, they go through, and Daniel makes, like, a little joke about, oh yeah, deja vu, and... Teal has never heard of Deja Vu. Daniel's like, oh, it's, it's feeling like, you know, you've been somewhere before. And Teal just goes, we have been here, we have been here before. <laughs> yes, yesterday, Daniel Jackson. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, on one hand, it's like, well, I mean, they've known each other for a year, but like, has anyone said Deja Vu around him before? You know, like, it, it's excusable, sort of. Like, there's always- I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing. I do enjoy it. But at, it does almost, they, I think they do a good job with it. Yeah. But you do start to border the line when you're at the end of season two, where it's like, you're going to have to stop making these Teal because an alien who doesn't understand idiom See, jokes. you know, I don't know if they're ever going to end it because, for example, I want to say this is a good show, okay? Don't want, I don't want people judging me for this. <laughs> But, I mean, I used to, you know, I was a kid, I was a teenager, I, I had to live with my parents at a certain point in time, and yeah. my mother loved NCIS, and for my a period- My mom loved NCIS, right, too, don't worry about it. And for a period of time, it wasn't that bad of a show. I know there was a chick on the show for, like, the first two years, and then Ziva came on, but yeah. the second, I'm not gonna say her real name, because I would have pronounced it badly, but when Ziva's character, when she came on the show, she, you know, was from Israel. Yeah, and for they did the same sort of years. Yeah. Yes, but they did it for years. And it always kind of worked because at the end of the day, they always talk about how you can always tell a native speaker because they mm -hmm. know all of the idioms. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, can yeah. always tell somebody who, even if somebody is like really fucking fluent, it can take literally years of deep immersion before you actually understand all of those idioms. So those jokes always work for me because it's like, yeah, I don't care how long he's been there. Plus, he never gets to leave the mountain, so he's not, he doesn't get deep immersion. He gets yeah. semi-immersion. You know, he doesn't exactly get a, a good sample size of humanity there. Ultimately, I don't think it doesn't work here. But it did just, like, I did feel, I did have this moment of, oh yeah, they're new writers and they want their chance to do this joke. I mean, I like that they took advantage of Daniel sneezing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of, these are new writers and they want their hands in all the good jokes, you know? Yeah. Which is fine, because they make all of them work. But I definitely see, you know, because I've been watching this show with you every week, I am noticing that when I'm like, oh yeah. They're like, hey, we want to do the Teal is an alien who doesn't understand our ways joke. Which, like I said, it works. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, this, this whole, like, sequence of scenes is actually pretty great because I love that part. I love that when Daniel sneezes. Although I gotta say, especially in this day and age, watching, watching Michael Shanks sneeze directly into his hand multiple <laughs> times is just difficult. <laughs> Let's just put it yeah. that way. It's just... It's a lot of wet sneezes into a bare hand. And I'm like, bitch, you have an elbow. Like, oh my god. Anyway. I mean, after the second sneeze, he does clearly pull out, like, a handkerchief. I don't care. I don't care. He goes no, on I and continues you. throughout the episode. It's disgusting. Anyway. No, so, I, I, I understand that. entirely. But I do appreciate that that was in, like, the directing, though. That, like, he does actually make a point of pulling out a handkerchief. Yeah, um, I, my only thing I love about it, the only thing I love about it, actually, because the rest of the time I'm just going, oh my god, is I, I love how Jack is so done with 
Daniel sneezing that he doesn't even <laughs> finish saying bless you anymore. He literally just, with the, with the most entirely ambivalent tone ever, just goes, bless. I know. I do like that. He's just their, like, their husbandry has never been more apparent than it is in this episode because their interactions with each other the entire time, they are so married, it hurts. <laughs> there is a very distinct moment in this episode where the writers are like, okay, everyone else leave. It's time for the married channel. <laughs> Dude, I was literally expecting them to fuck at some point. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. There was one scene where they're staring at each other so hard. I'm like, Dude, and then later on after their argument, there's a part after they fight where they're like just sitting like a foot away from each other and they refuse to look at each other while they're awkwardly talking about the fight. Like I said, these writers are like, well, we're only getting like one chance. Let's go for all of them. Let's do it. Let's yeah, get no. all the best hits. It's like I could literally see the moment that their slash fanfiction grew. <laughs> <laughs> I could 100% see this episode just being a fanfic. <laughs> I would buy it 100%. But yeah, so uh, we have the deja vu talk with Teal, and it's cute. And then Daniel sneezes, and he mentions that the aliens here seem peaceful, and Jack says, really, because they seem naked to me. <laughs> okay, and here's another... Uh, as they're walking to where they know where the, the plane landed and where they have to assume that they can maybe, you know, find the, the alien that took the plane. They do have a conversation here that I appreciate, but once again, it does feel like this should have maybe happened earlier, but these are new writers who were probably like us going, hey, why hasn't this conversation come up before? Right. Um, and it's where, because they're referring to the creatures on this planet as aliens. And Teal's like, shouldn't we be the aliens since we're the visitors here? Oh, by the way, I do love that aerial shot, too. I just want to say, that whole thing when they're talking, I love the aerial shot. Yeah, it's a good aerial shot. But Daniel has, like, had the conversation that we've actually had on this podcast already about how the, the definition of alien is, like, anything strange or new. And so, like, I, I honestly appreciated that this conversation happened, you know? But again, like we've said... Probably should have come up before now. <laughs> yeah. But new writers who are probably like us going, hey, why hasn't this come up before? Yeah, the conversation's cool. It's as good as it is oddly out of place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to where I was saying. I think the weakest points of this episode do come down to its new writers. And they're trying to address things that the other writers have kind of shrugged off. And it maybe is a little late in the show to start doing that. But I appreciate that they're talking about it at all. Yeah, and no, I mean, you've, I mean, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million times more. I just want an attempt. I just want evidence of an attempt, and I think I got yeah. that here. Yeah, I think ultimately they have a lot of the same questions we do, so I appreciate yeah. them. Yeah. So the team find the broken plant. Uh, Sam starts collecting samples and mentions that, like, most medical advances on Earth come from plants, so she wants to see if there's something that might come from this. Uh, she's not wrong, by the way. About 80% of our medicine base is based in plants. Uh, the rest is in animals, like, you know, venom from snakes, for example. Yeah, and this isn't even the first time um, they've brought up possibly getting medicinal uh, cures from another planet, the Nox. Yeah. Which is an episode they bring up in this episode. Uh, was another one where they mentioned getting samples. So the team find a small village where aliens start to pop out, and one of them minds doing the binoculars that Jack is doing. 
I do like, though, because Jack's, like, looking at the village, like, with the binoculars, and then just, like, five feet away, one of the aliens pops up and starts doing binocular miming with his hands, and Jack and, uh, no, D Daniel and Sam and Tilk are all kind of looking at him, and Dan Daniel's like, Jack, and Jack, without looking, keeps, like, looking at the village with his binoculars, yeah, Daniel, Jack. <laughs> Just trying to get his attention about the guy watching them from five feet away. <laughs> I appreciate the shit out of the writers and the director for really leaning into just how married these guys are. Because yeah. that's what really sells this everything. All of their interaction in this episode is completely on point. Regardless of your love of their relationship. I wonder if, if part of the strength of that is the fact that this is a duo writing team. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, maybe they both, like, pick the character. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they follow uh, the guy into the, the town, and I appreciate that, like, I, I, I think they do a good job even with, like, the music background for this episode, because it's got this sort of, like, bouncy, curious tone. Yeah, the non-threatening, look what we're discovering tone. Yeah, and it gives, like, this sort of, like, Alice in Wonderland feel of, like... You know, you're definitely not wrong. Okay, see, that makes it the, the fact that no one says mushroom even worse. <laughs> this is not Alice in Wonderland. This is, like, when Alice went through the looking glass and what she found there. Which just, like I said, it just makes it that much more annoying <laughs> that they don't say mushroom. Because, come on, it was right there. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do mushroom. <laughs> it, again, might have been a uh, production note or something somewhere. So, um, I do almost wonder if, like, they didn't want to say the term mushroom because of, like, shrooms. Right? And the no. fact that this episode does have this whole thing where, like, the mushrooms are, like, affecting yeah. the, the cast. So, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to have the shroom connection. One of two things I think, um, happened here. I did consider at one point making a joke about the mushrooms thing, but then I didn't want people listening to think I was a shroom person. <laughs> So I didn't actually say any of this stuff, but that's really funny because I did also kind of think about it, like, you know, not like in that context per se, like, yeah. oh, they definitely were just afraid of shrooms, but I agree with you because I also was afraid of making any shroom jokes. It just makes me sound like a fucking stoner and like I have no life, but you're not wrong. Psilocybin does a lot of crazy shit to you. See, it's fine if I'm the one who brings up shrooms because I don't even do pot, so. But yeah, and so I think one of two things happened is one, um, they just didn't catch all these little things that would have made it a little bit funnier. Or two, maybe we're actually missing something. Like maybe we're, we were kind of catching it but missing it at the same time in that maybe they were trying to be subtle. Maybe they were making all these little like homages and little maybe. like um, comparisons for the person who catches it. And they didn't want to call it out. And maybe that's why the music is yeah. like that. Yeah, maybe they just wanted it to be an insinuated yeah. thing. It could be that. Like, I mean, that'd be kind of something I would love to do if I could kind of thing. So maybe that's what they yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. See what you can get away with. <laughs> so they all come down to the village and introduce themselves. Um, and, like, talking doesn't seem to get into them. Uh, so Daniel's like, well, let's just try, like, smiling at them. You know? <laughs> so every everyone, like, awkwardly smiles and all of the aliens start smiling back. And I think that's when Teal'c says that, like, I yeah. do not enjoy this. Yeah, you're there. right. Because they all start, that's when they start getting comfortable with the team. And they start, like, closing in, in their little curious all way. All weirdly smiling. Yeah. And so Teal'c is, like, while kind of still fake smiling, is just without even turning his head, just says to the group, I am not fond of this. And I lost it, because it's like, yeah, that should be, like, just on my, that should be just tattooed on my forehead. Get you a t-shirt with that. Yeah, I am not fond of this. Just have Kratos in the background and let people try to figure it out. Yes, exactly. 
Uh, but yes, so they all start crowding around, and one of them, one of the, like, younger kid-shaped uh, alien plant people grabs Daniel's knife. <laughs> and like, Daniel's like, oh no! Uh, <laughs> and Sam's like, what? And he's like, one of them got my knife! And she's like, I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> but I like that he, like, because he's, he's definitely being a little bit more crowded than everyone else, because he's been the one making the most, like, attempts right. to, like, reach out yeah, to them, no, he's like, definitely waving. being the liaison that he is. Yeah, exactly, because that's his job, and he likes doing that. So I like that Sam's like, well, you, you just stay there, I'll get it back. <laughs> and she's doing a great job of, like, you know, obviously these people don't understand what you're saying, but she's, like, you know, using a, a nice tone and good body language to, like, get the knife yeah. back. And it's gently, going well. She's only gently reaching out. She's not, like, making any grabbing motions. She's just kind of, like... Exactly. And he's, you know, he's obviously intelligent enough that you he's can... He's responding. Yeah, you can see him connecting the dots, like, looking at her and looking back at what he's holding and being kind of like, all right, fine. Yeah, exactly. So he, she's about to get it back, and her hand just starts to close around it when Daniel sneezes again, and it startles the kid into dropping the knife, but because it was sort of a jerky motion of yeah. dropping the knife, it cuts Sam's hand a little bit, and she's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But uh, the, the sneeze obviously startled everyone. Yeah, this is a good example of a garden path, by the way. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Great. It's really good. Yeah, because, you know, he's like, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, so he goes in alone, uh, to try and communicate with them, uh, to try and find the UAV, because we know that these aliens dragged it off, but they haven't seen it, where, while the team outside is, like, Sam's obviously gonna bandage himself up, and the others are gonna, like, take a look around. He tries talking to them, they clearly don't understand, even when he, like, points at himself as Daniel, he's like, I don't think they talk, uh, so he starts trying to draw in the sand, and they just kind of draw little patterns. It's kind of like the scene from How to Train Your Dragon with uh, Hiccup and, and Toothless. Yeah, a little bit. And they're just clearly just like, ooh, yeah, let's draw on the sand. He's like, okay, that didn't work either. And then we see outside, um, then one of them like, puts a little bit of face paint on Daniel. It's so sweet. His face. It is really cute. He loves, he lives for this shit. So this is like yes, he, everything he loves right He loves right there. that connection, yeah. that moment of connection. Because yeah. he's been trying, like, this whole time, like, something, connect something, and, like, he's clearly hasn't connected yet, but, like, it's this alien reaching out, like, I don't understand you, you strange thing, but right. here you go. <laughs> but, but you look like your face is naked, so here's a straight. Exactly, yeah. So, I, and I like it, because you could just see in his face that he's like, well, they still don't understand me, but they're open to it, at least, you know? Yeah. And then we see outside the, the hut for a minute, and there's a great, this is a great transition bit, because Jack says the words, you gotta wonder what they're talking about in there, and then we immediately cut to inside, where Daniel's flying around with his eyes out. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna share something embarrassing about myself real fast. I have this ritual that I have to do because my parents put it in my brain when I was a kid, and now it's just a thing. Uh -huh. When I, 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 so I want a record. I've never been afraid of flying. This was never like to help me. It was just a thing I did. <laughs> I travel a lot. I've been traveling since I was a baby, so I've done a lot of flights. And yeah. some of my earliest memories are we'd, we'd extend our hands out like like airplane wings. Yeah. And my dad would always try to flap his to help the plane take off, and I'd always have to reach across the aisle and be like, "No, fixed plane. <laughs> like you can't <laughs> flap. It's not how it works. Like somehow we were genuinely helping from inside the cabin if we did this, but only if we didn't flap." <laughs> But yeah, so to this day, I just very surreptitiously, whenever I take off on a plane, I just kind of like put my hands on the armrest and just kind of tilt my wrists out a little bit. 
<laughs> and just like extend my fingers a little bit, just like, like little little mini wings. And I just do that. And if I do that, then I know the plane will take off and we'll be good because <laughs> I'm helping. There you go. That's my little ritual. Listen, I will we'll both share a, a little ritual from our childhood. When I was a, a kid, like five, six, my dad would have me do like this the ritual of like closing my eyes and spinning around and like, I don't know. I don't remember the exact details, like saying something or whatever, but he would, he had me convinced that I was magically turning the sprinklers on for our yard. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. And they were on a timer, obviously, but he would, he would have me set up there to do that at the right time so that he made me think I was the one turning it on all the time. That's amazing. That's, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's, that's actually, that's just, that's just adorable. <laughs> That's a good wholesome memory. Yeah. But what I actually really appreciate about this scene, other than, so first of all, the transition from outside <laughs> to inside is great. Yes. Masterful. Love it. Yes. And also, like you were saying earlier, the fact that it like follows, the camera follows him around the room. It's like one cut. It's just, you, you get to see him like flying Seriously, around the that's room. That's exactly why I love long takes. What I also appreciate about this, and once again, like, I'm going to keep saying this, this episode really feels like, you know you know, new writers who are looking at the scope of Stargate and what they can use from it, it's a great callback to the movie. Yeah. With the chicken. Yeah, that took me a sec. Yeah. With the plot. <laughs> he does a good spader here while also being very Shanks. Exactly. It's a wonderful little callback because we haven't had a good opportunity to see him have to, like, actually physically mine something out since, like, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Not to this extent. And I appreciate it. It's so nice. Uh -huh. It's just like them looking at the scope of Stargate being like, what do we have here? What can we use? Yeah. But, so yeah, so Daniel comes out after that and he, like, mentions that they're covered in a hardened body paint and that they're obviously communal but don't have any visible signs of communication. And here's where Jack gets a little dickish. is like, so they're less evolved. And Daniel's like, you can't jump to a conclusion like this. Remember the Nox? And Jack, like, they're having a conversation basically about how, like, he can't, you know, get them to understand or whatever. And he's like, so they're less evolved. And Daniel's like, oh, maybe. <laughs> but, like, right after he, you know, does the grudging maybe, they all start to drag the UAV out. Because they understood him. <laughs> they got there. They just took a bit. Yeah. And I feel like Daniel's kind of like, ha, ha. <laughs> he is. He's like, literally, see, there it is. Fuck yes. <laughs> I know. I just love that he's just, you can like see it just in his body language alone. Like he obviously says it to them as well, but you can just see him like his triumph. Yeah. Like, ha ha. Yes. Fuck yes. This is also what he lives for is making actual communication. Yes. So they drag the UAV out. Daniel seizes again and they all jump again. And Daniel's like, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. It's nothing to worry about. And immediately after saying that, one of the aliens falls right. over. Well, after, so it's one of the aliens who did the dragging, and he's looking down at his hands, and you can see the blackish smudges on his hands from, like, fluid. Yeah, I, yeah, this is great directing. Because it's as he's reassuring them that, you know, it's nothing to worry about, in the background of that shot, you see him looking down, yeah. and you can see the yeah. gray smudge on his hand. And then he does the and then right after he falls, fakest fall ever. <laughs> you know what their fall makes me think of? Bad acting? No, the fainting goats. <laughs> it's got that same sort of feel to it as the fainting goats. I am now rigid and falling. <laughs> and they're not human, so maybe that's how they fall. <laughs> sure. Why not? I, 
like it. Like I said, it makes me think of the, the fainting goats, and I love the fainting goats, so. Yeah. All I care about is that I have been bitching, literally, I think it was last episode, I uh, was whining about how I never get to see Janet expand on, the, on her role, and apparently ask and ye shall receive, because... Hell yeah. Granted, she's still in she her doctor be- box, but it's a bigger box. <laughs> yes. But I do like that right after the alien faints, Daniel just goes, of course I could be wrong. <laughs> You know, it could also be deadly, deadly smallpox. Although, like, I, I get, like, it's it's funny and everything, but it's like, you're you're sneezing because of allergies. You're sneezing because of something that's on this planet. Your sneeze wouldn't be making them sick. Well, it depends on what he's expelling. I guess. Because if he's expelling anything, that, if it makes yes. a membrane contact, it can, it can convey all kinds of shit. Yeah, I, theoretically, but it, it's, it does work. But it's just kind of funny that, like, the idea, the concept that he could be spreading something to them when the only reason he's sneezing in the first place is because something on this planet is making him sneeze. It's just an interesting conflict. I just think it's a parallel. (laughs) Yeah. But, so Sam says she can't find a pulse on him, but that he's still breathing. And this is the scene where Teal'c says, well, he he had lubricant from the UAV on his hands, maybe that caused it. And Jack's like, okay, maybe we all back off a little because we don't know what's caused this yet. And that's when all the aliens start doing this, like, weird, chimey sort of singing. Which I am not going to replicate. <laughs> no, yeah, no. That would not translate well to our minds. <laughs> but Daniel makes this point about, he's like, well, you know, some tribes believe singing and chants have medicinal powers. And right after he says that, another alien passes out. And he's like, okay. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> I see both sides of the argument here, and like we're like, well, maybe we should get the fuck away because maybe we're causing the problem. But at the same time, I'm also like, yeah, but you know, I feel like that ship has probably sailed. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what Janet winds up basically pointing out yeah. too. This is where Teal suggests leaving because they're poorly affecting the aliens. Uh, but Daniel doesn't like the idea of just leaving them there to their own devices with no idea of what's happening. There's that sense of right and wrong. Exactly. Yeah. But I appreciate, I think this episode does a great job of showing both sides of the argument on multiple instances. So then, Redfrey says that, another alien falls. Domino. And that's when they realize they have to go back to SGC for some help. And that's where the gate opens up. We see Janet coming through in full gear with some assistance. Which I love how short she is in comparison to those two... Yeah, it's just a great. It's well. It's a well framed shot. I like the angle. I like the lighting. It's a nicely well lit kind of day. I am still not entirely sure where they were filming. It looks like it's both similar to where they filmed the Toker episode in that it looks like it might have been like either like a lake bed or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like all of the colors because it makes it just you know everything kind of stands distinct. You know the greenish suits, the blue sky, yeah. the grayish background, and the height difference. Yes, Janet makes a joke about this being uh, talk about a house call. Yeah. I just like seeing her outside the mountain for once. Hell yeah. I love it. I love Janet. We both love Janet. That's that's a known entity of this, this podcast. So she gets to the town, and this is another moment that I really appreciate where all of the team start listing possible causes for the illness to Janet. Yeah. Yeah, so Jack starts off by being like, well, you know, the UAV did bring the pl- break the plant when it, you know, crashed. Daniel mentions his sneezing. Sam mentions her cut hand and how her blood might have you know gotten bloodborne contagions exist so yeah exactly and then teal mentions the lubricant from the uav as well which is filled with who knows how many chemicals yeah exactly but i just love that they all list possible causes because at this point 
they know Janet and they're like, okay, we're gonna make her job easy. Here's some things we think might be the cause. And she points out that, like, it could just be their aftershave as well, you yes. know? Like, it could be anything. But it's still, I appreciate that, like, they listed things. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing I just realized, too. So, let's say they use this UAV at all, frequently, on different planets. The mm-hmm. exhaust from that thing. There are people on Earth who are heavily affected by the chemicals that are in bad exhaust. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, there's heavy metals in that shit sometimes. Like, there's just, it's full of particulates. It's just bad for your lungs. And there are people on Earth affected by this. Can you imagine what kind of contamination that must cause? Just a brief flyby on an alien planet. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Sorry, it's just like when you were saying the lubricant part, I was like, oh, shit, God, can you imagine what this yeah. thing drops on planets even when it doesn't crash? Ugh. Well, apparently this is the first time it's ever crashed. Well, as I'm saying, even when it doesn't crash, just the normal yeah. byproducts of that. Just the exhaust, yeah. So Janet does some short tests, things that she can do on an alien planet. She's like, I don't have any results. I have no answers from the tests I can do here. Uh, I would suggest taking one of them back with us so I can do bigger tests. Another thing I would have appreciated a follow-up line on. Again, it's not like they're doing anything badly. It's just it's just missing little tiny things. And this one is she comes out without her hazmat hood on. Why? I'm not saying that the decision is wrong. I just wanted them to follow up with a quick little line as to why it's safe now. Yeah, I, I feel like they thought it was insinuated in the fact that she'd done her basic test and was like, there's nothing here. Right, but so she's like- also just now introducing, who knows, a host of new things as well. You know, because her shampoo, for example, could be different than their other ones. You know, who mm-hmm. knows what the, like she said, aftershave could cause it. Okay, great, what's on your body that you're now exposing? Why? I just, I want a sentence of, and it looks like it's not anything we immediately introduced. You know, something that allows for her yeah. not being wearing the hood I anymore. Think- like, I just, it's a little thing. Yeah. But it does affect the quality control here, just a titch. Yeah, I feel like the timing of her coming out without the hazmat suit is insinuated in her dialogue, but I don't disagree with you that it could have helped to have a line. Yeah, because insinuation in this case isn't quite enough, especially when the whole premise is based on us introducing a, a virus to them. Yeah, a lot of times in this show we're like, you could have taken 10 seconds to add a line here that would have helped just a little bit. Um, I accepted it, like, because I was like, yeah, she's done her initial tests. Right, but that's the thing. One of those tests tell us why is it that she's, because she literally, because they just pointed out in dialogue that it could be someone's aftershave. So Mm -hmm. it's important to follow up on dialogue that you felt the need to put out there. So if you're going to say that, then you are kind of responsible to follow that dialogue up with, okay, now that I know it's not our aftershave or shampoo or something, my hood is off. It's... More like you guys set that up for yourself as a problem. Yeah, yeah, I just took the the insinuation of her short test, but, you know, like, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think it's, once again, just the thing where I tend to be a little bit more openly accepting of the insinuations than you are. Well, that's the thing is, I'm not even entirely sure if I agree with it being insinuated. I don't think they really called it out enough. That's kind of why I'm talking about I don't have follow-up dialogue, is I don't have anything even really insinuated to me. I felt like the insinuation was in the timing of what she was saying compared to her coming out without the... Yeah. Listen, it's it's along the same lines of our argument in the Bane episode where I'm like, no, I feel like it's very visibly insinuated that Teal'c gave her this phone number and you don't agree with me at all. Well, in that kind of context, yeah, I do not believe it was visibly insinuated here. Why? I just got the, I got the results, but I did not get the why. So, um, Daniel says he wants to stay and continue to try and communicate with them. 
So Jack decides to send Sam back with Janet so she can get her hand fixed while they're taking the alien through to, to check it out and everything. And says that the rest of them will stay here for now. Back at SGC, they start checking up on the alien. Uh, and when Sam tries to move away, I do like where it kind of grabs onto her, her arm. Which I think is a great, like, quiet nod towards how communal they are. Yeah. How how much they appreciate, you know, close contact yeah, and everything. Yeah. It's a it's like a dialogueless little bit where it's just she's talking with Janet while this is all happening. And it, he just grabs onto her arm and just, she just, like, looks down and just, like, stays there. Like, she understands that he needs this. So she just let she just holds, holds, holds back onto his arm in return. And it's nice. So, oh, real quick, real quick. This is a point that drives me a little crazy on this episode. So there's two, like, medical inconsistencies. Well, there's a lot of medical inconsistencies, but the two biggest ones are, one, she has a very specific line about how they're a very, they might look similar to us, but they're very different underneath. She says that on the planet. Mm-hmm. And then when she comes through, they're uh, bagging the guy, which means, you know, they have like that little air thing, the handheld yeah. air pump thing over his face. And I'm laughing. I was just laughing going, okay, cool. Very different from us, but still clearly need bagging, which isn't against, I'm not against it because like they were just on a planet with oxygen in the air and they did seem to have yeah. breathing apparatus, uh, you know, on their faces. I get it. Sam did specifically call out the fact that, like, when one of them first passed out, that she's like, I can't find a pulse, but he's still breathing. Right, exactly. So so there's an insinuation there that they right, do breathe right. similarly to us. It was just kind of a little funny to me, because I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, I get it. But what really kills me is, I was like, as I was making the note, they took the bag off as they transferred him to a new table, and then didn't hook up anything else to provide him with oxygen. So then I laughed at it, but only inconsistently, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole scene was just a little laughable to me because they make a big show of yeah, using it and then you. just don't do anything else. <laughs> it was just funny. Um, and then later, it's more of a problem than because she's going to establish in a, in a little bit what is their version, for to our interpretation, what their version of a heart is, is located very differently. In their abdomen. Yeah. And yet later, when they do CPR on him, they do CPR on his chest. And I'm like, that's not where the heart is, though. You just said that. And it's cardiopulmonary yeah. resuscitation, which means you're doing heart compressions. <laughs> There's literally no I reason to be doing chest compressions say, on him. I don't remember the chest compressions themselves i'm not doubting you on that i just what i more remember from that scene is them like you know helping with the breathing again and her you know um injecting it with epinephrine and that kind of stuff and that's another thing too is it was like okay i i get it i get that you want to do whatever you can but if you're gonna make a point in a dialogue sequence of they make a point dialogue wise here at some point i can't remember where but janet says that she doesn't want to administer any drugs because she doesn't know enough about their biology to feel safe doing that because they could do they could have any number of other reactions and yet Despite not knowing that body chemistry later, I know she's desperate. And so I'm not really complaining. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I do understand, but it does still have a bit of a laughableness to it because she just finished saying how she doesn't want to administer drugs and then administer dr- drugs. At that point, you're kind of required to have a follow-up of why you're now administering those drugs and why those specific ones have been chosen. Uh, because it was flatlining and she didn't want to do the, the uh, shocking. Right. See, here's the thing. Why? <laughs> 
it's just little things. I get why they chose the way they did, and I get what it was insinuating. I can even accept in this case what's in the insinuate what the insinuation is, mm-hmm. which is these seem to be the most life saving, and I'm guessing by their use here, the least hazardous to biology as she knows it. Yeah. And don't seem to be comprised of, like, I don't know, fungicide or something. <laughs> so I get it. I do accept the insinuation here. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's why I said I could get it, like, five times before I even got through yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, exactly. it's a mild complaint. But that being said, it's like, that's the, those are, like, the two biggest, I think, like, medical inconsistencies are those two little things. I would say things. that when she is ready to, um, you know, inject it with those, like, two things, this is after she's done the body scan and right, so she I'm could not have a, a bigger idea of what's whatsoever, going on. But from what I understand, uh, the things she listed are more to do with, like, they're they're less, obviously they're still drugs. Probably they seem the least harmful, but the most helpful in the situation. Yeah, I get I it. I just would have appreciated some, requ- you know, what I consider to be some requisite follow-up lines to, just because, again, they set themselves up with dialogue of, yeah. I don't want to do this, and then they do it. And I just want to know why. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you're if you're gonna just not insinuate it as a buildup, but actually state it, then I would appreciate that same form being used as the follow up. So if you're not going to insinuate it verbally, but show it, not tell it, then showing yeah. not telling is great for a conclusion if you want to do it that way. But when it's explicitly stated, I feel like it's a it's a little more annoying to me when they only show it because. Unless it's, like, really specific instances, it's not really much of a gray area for me. It's just it's just annoying. Listen, ultimately, this entire show requires a rubber stamp of just five seconds of dialogue, right? please. Just, yeah, just <laughs> doesn't matter who's written it. There's always... And I kind of get it, because, like, they're trying to do a sci-fi show that's, like, set in a real world. So they're trying to do crazy things, but make it fit into our universe with yeah. our rules and everything. So, like... There's only so much you can do. Yeah. And overall, the construction I of this episode is really good. So I really, exactly. I understand yeah. that they know what they're doing. And this, this wasn't a result of them not giving a fuck. I think it was mm-hmm. just stuff that like slid through the cracks more than anything. I get exactly. that feel yeah, yeah. more than anything. So I'm not 100%. nearly as angry no, not... as I usually am when I find so many glaring things. I'm like, no, fuck yeah. you guys, you suck. It's usually because the overall tone of the episode is I don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah, this is not a carelessness no. thing. They cared about this episode. Yeah, I, I definitely do get that feeling. Yeah, maybe it's just because I have warm feelings towards the episode already, but I just definitely, ha- I get a warmer tone. Like, I definitely get yeah. weird directing tones sometimes. Like, if it's like a cold tone, it's usually an episode I'm uh-huh. bitching about more. Like, they obviously just didn't give a fuck this entire time. Like, touch tone. I got a weird cold tone from the directing, yeah. honestly. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong there. No, this has got, like, like I said before, it's got a very, like, bouncy, strange world... Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass kind of feel to it. So back on the planet, Jack and Teal are walking to go check, because Janet suggested that they go see if any of the other um, outcroppings of villages that the UAV sensed are also sick. To see if it has to do with them or if it's, you know, if it's something on the planet itself. Has the ultrasound scene happened yet? Because that was a pretty cool no. Cl- clue. No, okay, it's cool. about to happen. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. My notes are a Basically, little weird this we week. get, yeah. Uh, so we get that one scene, and I also appreciate, again, with the thought to, like, you know, medical testing and everything, where Janet tells them, you should go check other villages that you haven't been to and see if they're also suffering from this, because that could suggest it's not you. See, that's the thing is, uh, so this one is much less of a complaint. Yeah. 
this episode just kind of glosses over something, which is groundwater. Now, I understand why they didn't. It's less of a careless thing so much as somebody thought of it and went, well, we're not going to talk about it because later we're going to have a scene where someone digs into the ground. Yeah. And if you do a groundwater test, you're going to find those roots. So I uh -huh. get why they did it. It was for the story to happen. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, so as they're walking out to one of these distant villages, uh, Jack kind of trips and, and stumbles to his knees. And he clearly looks a little out of sorts, <laughs> but kind of tries to shake it off. I have a question uh, for and you. And he does admit to Teal that he's got a headache. Yeah, I have a question for you. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. If you were walking with your colleague, much less your friend colleague, and they fell to their knees, and this is not something they're doing on a regular basis, why do you and let a them... sickness on this Right, why do, you just, yeah. why do you just let them shrug this off? <laughs> why would this happen? I just have a lot of questions about this scene, because I'm kind of like, okay, I Tilk, we all know you're a good friend. Why are you doing this? I would say part of it is probably that... I think it's a, a combination of a lot of things. <laughs> part of it is that the, the other examples they've seen of this sickness hitting they're completely laid out, like they just fall. And yeah, that could just come down to, and I think it ultimately does come down to, you know, a difference of biology. Right, yeah. But he, despite the fact that, you know, he does do that stumble, Jack does pretty much, you know, get right back up. And he does, you know, admit to having a headache and everything. But that's not a good thing. Also, I don't feel like Tilk is totally just shrugging it off. I feel like he does make a point of kind of keeping an eye on Jack after this. Which is why when Jack starts to so show signs of bad things happening again, he's, like, noticing. Maybe it's a good plot point. Like, maybe it's actually Teal showing that he knows Jack well enough to know that he's stubborn as fuck. Exactly! Because I was gonna say, and I also think it comes down to the fact that Teal respects Jack. So when Jack is like, yeah, I'm good right now, he's like, okay, I'll take your word for now, but I'm gonna keep an eye on you, you know? Whereas Eric and you and others know I'm an idiot, and so if I said, no, nah, I'm fine, you'd be like, no, you're gonna pass out in three seconds, let's go, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, exactly. you're not gonna trust what I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what, fuck it, I take it back, you're right. Then we go back to SGC, and Janet's about to do an ultrasound. And as soon as she, like, turns the machine on, she hasn't, like, brought the wand over to it yet, but she's, like, turned it on. And as soon as she does, it starts to make this, like, panic singing sort of sound. Like, it's it's audibly different from, like, their communal singing on the planet. It's audibly a little bit, like, panicked Yeah, it's, it's definitely a distress call. <laughs> yeah, and she figures, she's like, okay, turns it off, like, we'll do something different. I appreciate that, like, they used medical testing like this as another little clue down the garden path to the solution at the end. Like you said, this is a good mystery. They do a good job of planning all these little details, and, like, obviously every mystery's got to have a red herring, and this one's got a couple. Yeah. Like, we, we heard all of them when the team listed out different co possible causes right. to yeah. her. But, like... They're acknowledging that these are this is a thing where you have to figure out what the cause is, you know? I appreciate it. So then she gets the... I don't know what kind of machine she gets it into at that point. Uh, I believe... You know more about medical stuff than me. It's one of two things. It's either um, an MRI or a CAT scan. Um, an MRI is a magnetic resonance imaging yeah. chamber, which I feel like that resonance part <laughs> yeah. might have played a factor. I know it's a different kind of resonance. I just don't know the science behind it enough. And I I know even less about CAT scans. I know those are, are a different kind of scan entirely. But I feel like by insinuation that this has to be a CAT scan 
just based on the fact that I know something about MRIs and nothing about CAT scans, and therefore this totally follows as a logical strain. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> This is, to this is totally a logical conclusion. She does some sort of body scan on it. Um, and sees some sort of weird red pulsing thing in their abdomen, and she's like, well, that's not anything that we have. I do, I did notice, and this, I think, goes back to the whole, where they're like, they're, they're just using the normal breathing treatments like we do. When she does, like, the body scan to, like, see how different their bodies are from ours, like, you see, like, they've clearly got the exact same kind of, like, rib cages as us. Yeah, they clearly have the same sternum, and it looks like it's trying to indicate they have similar to us in terms of lungs-type breathing lungs, yeah. things. But it still makes the chest compressions thing stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the chest like I said, I didn't just, I didn't especially notice chest compressions, but if they were, which I'll trust you on that, then yeah, they should have been going down lower, but... I get it. No, I agree with you. I mean, honestly, they shouldn't have been doing shit in terms of compressions because, for example, I've mentioned this a couple times to you, um, CPR is actually, in the States, I don't really know how other countries do it. I know in the States, the CPR is kind of constantly evolving. For example, when I was first getting certified in it, you needed to do both, you know, you needed to do two deep breaths between 15 to 30 chest compressions. Uh -huh. And then two deep breaths again. And then I found out later in my recertification, like a decade later, um, that they changed it. Now you don't need to breathe anymore for them because they actually have enough residual oxygen in their blood. Because it's like, you know, for uh -huh. example, there's blood and then there's blue blood. There's oxygenated blood versus yeah, yeah, non-oxygenated yeah. blood. Turns out they're pretty sure there's enough oxygenated blood still in the body at this point that if you just... Your job should really just be focusing on the chest compressions because that keeps that blood flowing through the brain uh -huh. better than pausing to give more air. So yeah, it's always okay. an evolving thing. My whole point is because of the fact that even now on Earth with bodies that we know and know pretty damn well at this point, we're still saying, oh shit, this actually doesn't work as well as we think. Uh -huh. Therefore, you should just never be using <laughs> um, anybody else's circulatory type resuscitation techniques on a different race of any kind, yeah. because it just, it doesn't necessarily even translate that well for humans. So why would you do it on an alien? It's just, yeah. it's not intelligent. <laughs> it's, I get what they were doing. I, I'm not mad. I am laughing, but I'm not mad. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it yeah. helps at least a tiny bit, and I, and I say tiny bit, <laughs> that this scene happens after she's done the body. That I'm sorry, this scene. This scene hasn't even happened yet that you're talking about, but that th that scene happens after they've done the body scan. So <laughs> she has at least some sort of idea that's why it's of how the body operates <laughs> yeah i just think it's funnier that like if she was gonna Which be doing is why, compressions yeah, they shouldn't have been hitting yeah. this chest like, if she but... was gonna let's say she she now knows enough about the body to know the compressions are gonna help she should have been doing them on his abdomen <laughs> yeah i feel like that was just like a a poorly yeah. framed i think that's just a boo-boo i think it's just a, a plain straight up boo-boo all i know is it's funny i they actually make a joke about it in farscape as there's actually a species there that they can survive for up to uh, about 15 minutes in space. So they one guy accidentally gets spaced and he gets brought back in and John decides that he's going to help by doing compressions. <laughs> and he's like going like, come on, one, two, three, four. And everyone's gathered around like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, I'm doing CPR. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not how you revive them. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> and then they start doing the actual revival process that you do on that yeah. species. <laughs> this one's just a, a very minor boo-boo. Yeah. So, uh, back on the planet, Daniel discovers that the small plant pod things that they saw in the town can grow 
like the thing that the UAV crashed into. Yep, and I am going to be a big, big girl and not complain about the CGI like I always do. Oh, it's it's bad. It's bad. Don't worry about it. I also was like, oof. So, Jack and Teal come back saying that the aliens in the nearby villages are also ill, and Jack and Daniel immediately start married couple bickering. Oh my god, yes. And the aliens are all around them, like, smiling at them, like, trying to get them to stop. Like, they don't understand, but they know it's not good, so they're just, like, crowding around, like, smile, please smile, please stop doing what you're doing. You make less of the bad sounds when you're smiling. (laughs) Yes. But it's Jack basically, like, mocking Daniel for trying to figure out what's going on with this plant, and... This isn't even, they haven't, they barely started married, married couple arguing yet. Uh, and Jack decides that now is a good time to send your one mediator away. <laughs> I know they're going for something here. I get that they're doing it because it succeeds. But they just, ah, uh, Jack is infuriating sometimes. He has a moment where he says, I'm not mansplaining, and then proceeds to mansplain. And it's like, yes, you shut the fuck up right now. I am so done with your shit. <laughs> Because, like, we ultimately, we find out that what's happening here is it's kind of, like, making things worse. So, like, it's making the bad, the smaller bad parts of them just kind of bubble up, you Yeah, know? exactly. So, I get it. They're succeeding at showing his, you know. Yeah. Because every person has their inner condescending bitch. Absolutely. And he is being a very condescending bitch here. And he's doing it on purpose, you know, because he's being an asshole because his head hurts. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, Absolutely. it succeeds, but it's like. Oh, and it's like, I, I, I understand the angry dance so well. No, no, the angry dance has not happened yet. No, I know, I, I get why it's going to happen, is okay, what I'm yeah. saying, is because this scene is so successful in building up my anger, where I'm like, oh god, I'd angry dance too. Just, mm. Right? But I love it, because it's, on one hand, you're almost like, why are you sitting away the one mediator? But on the other hand, I feel like Jack can tell in his heart that they're going to be arguing some more and he doesn't want witnesses. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. Like I said, they're very married. Th- this is so married. Yeah, literally like this is basically the moment where the writers are like, "Okay, we got to have the married couple fight, which means we can't have any of SG1 here. We already got Sam out of the picture. Now it's time to send Tilk away for a little while." Yeah. So like I said, uh Jack decides to send Tilk to go to the gate to send a message to Hammond telling, um, you know, basically the information they found out, like, hey, the other villages are also sick. That information. Yeah. Uh, and, and he tells Teal'c they'll be fine without them, without him. In the same breath, he calls Daniel Plant Boy. <laughs> and I like that Teal'c's immediately just, like, kind of staring at them, like, like, oh yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna end well. Uh-huh. Time for a marriage counselor after this planet, huh? <laughs> so then... We go back to SGC, and Janet says the thing that they saw in the test is a heart, or their version of a heart, and it's beating faster and faster, and, you know, that, like, ultimately, it'll, it, this thing's probably gonna die. And then Hammond comes back with Teal'c's information about the other villagers, villages being sick. So then Janet says it's probably only because most planets are full of transplanted humans that they haven't spread diseases to a planet before now. So I'm just going to keep this short and sweet, which is, nope, that's not how that works. Yeah, it's not how diseases work. Not even <laughs> remotely. No. There are, I mean, okay, it's a great, this is, this is a great time to be talking about this because as we are learning with the COVID pandemic, yeah, there's already variants happening that are deadlier mm-hmm. than and more transmissible 
I don't know about, I actually don't know about deadlier, but I know they're more transmissible for sure than the original. The point is, for a little over a year, a deadly virus has already mutated a couple times. Yeah. And again, I bring up smallpox blankets because that happened only a couple centuries ago. But the, the yeah. people living on different continents were already so distinct from each other in terms of contagions that smallpox blankets were a thing. Biowarfare, germ warfare, has been a concept known <laughs> into European colonization. They did this knowingly. So, no, that's just, this is just a dumb line. Here's the thing. Yeah, that's not how diseases work. But I feel like they meant well in the spirit of things. In the spirit of things, they were trying to fix something that should have come up before now. Like, they were trying to... They were trying to help the rest of the show by being like, look, it's not its not the show's weakness that this hasn't happened before. It's because they were transplanted humans. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> they're trying to, like, protect the show I, I from get its it. past it's... and its future. They're, they mean well. <laughs> Remember, we already have a thing for that. We call it the shh. Yeah. Shh. It's fine. And I get it. And I get what you're saying. And I'm not disagreeing. Because yeah. the show has to exist, and if this was actually a concept that existed in the show, it'd be a very short show. Yeah. But yeah, that's not how diseases work, so that answer doesn't actually work. Yeah. But. But. <laughs> but. But, but, but. Like I said, Star Trek's is still pretty crap, because they are yeah. talking about wildly different immune systems every day that somehow a space station, for example, can somehow not be a breeding ground of just death. And like they make yeah, they make yeah, stupid yeah. comments where it's like, oh yeah, he um caught the Andorian flu, and I'm like, and it didn't kill him. He's human. <laughs> He's not Andorian. And you're telling me that yeah. that didn't kill him. So Star Trek is just as bad of an offender, but I at least appreciate their efforts to like mitigate shit where they talk about that, as I mentioned before, how the transporters will actually eliminate contagions, for example, uh-huh. and shit like that. So they have clearly protocols in place, and they technically talk about them. This show just goes, nah, protocols don't exist, it's just because they're from our planet. And I'm like, but what about the ones that aren't? <laughs> also, yeah, no, you're not wrong. Not that that works, um, but what about like the ones that aren't? I feel like it's just in the spirit of this show, because that's the reason that they can speak English on every planet, too. <laughs> Okay, I'll bring this up again with that. I, I, I understand, as we've talked, you can't have an... It's not feasible. It's not feasible. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And Star Trek has it easier with the Universal Translator being a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. But there's distinct differences between Canadian French and France French. Yeah. <laughs> because they've had a couple hundred years now to completely divert from each other. That's just how language is. <laughs> That's how language yeah, 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 be, yeah. man. Also, how about the one that's a Norse planet and yet speaks English and not a weird yeah, version of Norwegian? Or the one what? with the Mongols and they're speaking English. We're not talking about that episode. No. Yeah. Uh, so, I actually, this is again, so, despite the fact that it's like, they're, they're trying their best, but that's not how diseases work, I also appreciate this scene once again, because this is another one of those moments of, like, arguing both sides because Hammond is definitely coming down on the side of this and I understand why as the leader of SJC and you know a military person why he would be coming down on this side of this discussion where he's he's definitely leaning towards washing their hands entirely this planet yeah like oops committed the genocide bye yeah well he's basically like look you don't have a solution 
the longer we stay here, maybe the longer we continue to infect them. You know, we might just be continuing to make things worse. We don't have a solution to fix this. But then Janet is like, it's not hopeless yet. And Sam definitely does not like the idea of leaving these aliens high and dry, especially because they don't understand what's happening to them right now. No, I just, I, I like that they're, once again, like this is the second time they're bringing up this discussion of, is it more harmful to stay and continue to try and help or to leave them to their own now, devices? At this point, I have no argument with what you're saying. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, so then we go back to the planet and this is the scene. This is the scene that lives in my head rent-free and has for what 20 years something like that how long has the show been <laughs> yeah 20 years it's lived rent-free in my brain for 20 years and it's uh jack has clearly been trying to quarantine the aliens and it's not working because <laughs> they're just they're just running out past him like geese just like he's like don't uh and daniel's like look they like being around each other just let them you know be around each other it help it makes them feel better um and while he's having this discussion, he's trying to set up a video camera to film one of the plants. And they start married couple arguing again. They start, you know, Daniel's like, we disagree on, like, everything, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll name one thing. Oh, missed. And he's like, lies, rumors, blah, blah. And, and just like, and he's like, no, you know, they're, they're obviously, like, a, a cultural structure of, you know, of societies and blah, blah, blah. And then Jack goes, what's that got to do with filming a plant? And Daniel goes, exactly. And Jack's like, what does that mean? And Daniel goes, I don't know. Uh. Which is when they realize that they're being strange. Like, the end of that argument where they both realize they're arguing about nothing. Yeah. But during this entire argument, there's a one point where... It's right after Jack shrugs off mythology, where he's like, lies, rumors, that thing. And Daniel goes, see? See, see, see? And when he does that, he, like, jumps up and down and spins around as he does it. <laughs> like an angry that, little bunny. Yes, and that that particular scene lives rent-free in my head. Because <laughs> it's spectacular. It's one of it's many spectacular Daniel so moments, but it's uh, it's good. it's one of the best. That one, yes. that one was up there rent-free for me as well, but up there with, uh, oh, because he's crazy. Yes, that's a good one. So they both realize that their argument was stupid <laughs> at kind of the same time, and they wonder if they're starting to catch whatever, and they both realize that they both have, like, a headache. Um, and they're both like, are we catching whatever the aliens are catching? And the alien closest to their argument Thanks. My favorite dude. He's been holding up for so long, and then he falls. Yeah. Um, so Jack and Daniel decide to go back to get checked out themselves while Teal'c remains. And uh, there's another one of those idiom moments with Daniel and Teal'c where Daniel's like, Teal'c, can you keep an eye on this plant and this recording? I want to see if anything happens. And Teal'c goes, I will keep both my eyes on it, Daniel Jackson. And I do think, okay, so like, well, I kind of called this these writers out in a fond way because, like I said, they they write it well right. uh, for being like, yeah, they're new writers and they want their hand in all of these old things. Um, I what I appreciate about the way this moment is written is that Daniel doesn't even audibly respond to Teal failing to understand the idiom. 
he just kind of looks at Tilith for a second and just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's obvious this has been happening for a while. I think it's well written that like, you know, this is an old joke, but in the way they have Daniel react to it, they make it fit in with the timeline of where we are in the show. Yeah. Where Daniel just kind of goes, yeah, he got it. It's fine. <laughs> just fuck it. Dude, I don't even care because I just yeah. love, I love the infirmary scene. Yes, the infirmary scene. God. So, um, Jack and Daniel, oh, there's, I actually like even before this, so they're walking back to the gate and you see Daniel kind of lagging a little bit. And despite the fact that like they were just arguing over absolutely nothing, you do get Jack sort of kind of gently encouraging him forward when he notices that Daniel's lagging. Half like a husband, half like you would take with a dog, just like, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on, boy. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as, so they get through and everyone's like, what, what's up, guys? And they're like, yeah, well, we, uh, we were starting to feel weird uh, on the other side and we thought we might be getting sick too, but um, I, I, my headache's gone now. I'm, I'm starting to feel better already. And they're like, yeah, me too. So they're they're trying to figure out what's going on there. So then we cut to the med bay where um, they're clearly waiting for the results to all of their tests or whatever. And they're both sitting on the same bed. <laughs> and they're sitting with like a foot between them. And neither of them are looking at each other. They're just staring ahead, not, not looking at each other, and just like awkwardly apologizing about their fight. <laughs> that scene is is goddamn gold. <laughs> I, I love it. It is. It's, it's, it's comedic. So good. No, it's well acted. It's funny as hell. It actually plays into the continuity of the episode. Yeah. I love it. It's really funny. Like, I appreciate the hell out of these writers for just going for the married couple thing no, with these God, two. they went hard with it. Again, at this point, yes. I was kind of expecting them to fuck. <laughs> I mean, that body language seems like a post-angry fuck. Like, they had their makeup sex, and now they're both kind of, like, they got it out of their system, it's time to that's, apologize. That's why they're sitting on the same bed. Yeah! God, they did it in the med bay! <laughs> no respect for Janet's workspace. <laughs> so right after... So I like that they both, like, really lean hard into, yeah, we're, we're definitely sick. It's definitely the planet yeah. that made us yeah. argue with each other like that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Us. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. We love each other still. We definitely do. And then Janet comes up, you're not sick. <laughs> nope, there's nothing wrong with you. And they're, that's why I love the scene, the comedy of it, too, is because they really, that they heavily pause, and they do it for the exact right amount of time, where they're just... Pause, 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 and Daniel and Jack are just like studiously not looking at each other as they just go, Yes! Well, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I love it. It's it's wonderfully directed, wonderfully written. This uh, beautiful. Love it. <laughs> so, um the alien that they have in the SGC starts flatlining. And this is where that scene happens, where they do the chest compressions and all that. We, we, we've already talked about it at length. <laughs> so we can skip talking about this scene again. But basically, they save it from flatlining. But they're like, oh, we've definitely got a timer on figuring out what the hell is going on here now. Uh, back on the planet, Teal witnesses one of the plants growing. And he start and like, as soon as he looks at it, it goes back in. And so, like, he starts digging into the ground nearby and finds, like, roots of, like, the plants that are clearly, like, crossing, like, all over this village. And as he, like, you know, reaches to, like, check one of them out, he gets 
what we noticed clearly, um, so when the UAV crashed into the big one, there was a very obvious green smear yeah. of goo. Yeah, I called it protoplasm, it but actually it's more like the uh, glowy liquid inside of a glow stick. Yeah. Um, and so when Teal reaches down to, like, you know, touch this root thing, um, he gets some of that on him, and he starts clutching at his head, and is clearly in pain, and then, like, at least temporarily passes out. Why are you not wearing gloves? You just sent two of your team members home for acting weird on a planet full of... Because Tilk's used to his symbiote protecting him. Okay, that is actually a valid statement, but still, I'm still because upset they about even it. Point, they even point out when, uh, in a little bit, when Tilt comes back through, that, like, Jack's like, well, I guess even even you can't be totally protected from whatever's happening on so that gloves. planet. <laughs> yeah. Gloves would have helped. But, so that's, I think, I think it's completely understandable that he's doing that because, you know, he's used to the symbiote being able to protect yeah, him I from everything. I guess that's an acceptable level of cocky, because you're just used to it. Yeah. Fine. Mm -hmm. Fine. But still, it's still a little stupid. It's just a so different context back... of stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's character stupid instead of uh, writing stupid. And there you go. And, there, and thus it's a plot point. Oh, there you go. Uh, so back at SGC, Daniel's suggesting, like, hey, if, if we can't do anything to save this alien and it's going to die, shouldn't we bring it back to its planet so it can at least die with its kind? This is, and they're basically, like, talking it out, trying to figure it out. So, it's just a quick little scene there. Um, but then we go to Daniel is, like, obsessing over the issue in his office. And he's basically, in the background, got the uh, initial UAV recording of after it crashed into the, uh, the mushroom. Just playing in the background. As he's, like, looking over anything he could possibly have from the planet that might give him some sort of clue about a solution and jack tries to talk to him about this and this is where he has the the breakdown i just i just his breakdown is pretty simple but he he's mad that this has happened and that one false step can you know kill a, a species and i'm kind of like yeah, yeah daniel be upset be upset with what has happened but but yeah one false step is literally all it takes <laughs> <laughs> like you take a step in the wrong ecosystem and you can literally, literally yeah. in that step eliminate a moss or a fungus. Yeah, the butterfly effect. And there's microorganism co complexes that literally live in like one pond on the entire planet. And you fuck that pond up and that's it. That's just it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I know people who can't even keep their pond in their backyard balanced. So, you know, like nature's pretty fucking fragile. It's honestly, every time, like, that's one of the things that scientists talk about, like, why we haven't seen evidence of aliens yet. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. let's say there's a lot of planets like Earth that are able to support, like, just, you know, our version of carbon-based life. And let's say yeah. there's other planets on top of that that support other life. Let's say life is everywhere in this kind of easy way. Let's say that's a thing. Okay, cool. If they're anything like ours, then any number of things could eradicate them in, like, a heartbeat. <laughs> Yeah. Because, honestly, we are one fucking pandemic away from just ruining ourselves. Hell, we're an asteroid away from death. Uh, you know, we don't have a planetary defense system against the numerous, nope. numerous near-Earth objects that are, are literally just around us every day that people don't think about until you look onto NASA's website and get very scared. But yeah, so, it's like, yeah, Daniel, that's... I just, I, I couldn't help but laugh at it a little bit. It's just like, once again, how has this not come up before? Like, how do you not even know that yeah. from Earth? Yeah, well, I would say, again, this is 
the writers asking the same question you are. How has this not come up before? Yeah. Um, I do think, so I have a couple things to say. A, I think, like always, Michael Shanks does an amazing job having this breakdown. Oh, no, he's very tortured, and he's very good at it. And he does, like, even after he, like, swipes everything off of his desk and he stops yelling and he stops moving, he's just got, like, this frozen quality to him that's really great. Like, Michael Shanks is always a great actor. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's got Daniel down. He, he knows what he's doing there. Um, but I would, and I don't know how well I'm going to communicate this because I don't have it totally fleshed out what I even mean in my own head, but I think part of what's... Ultimately, like, obviously we'll find out that part of the reason he's having this breakdown is because he's been exposing himself to the, the bad sound right. in his office. Right. Um, but I think it's, and obviously, like, we've also figured out from observation that this sound is, like, increasing bad, or, like, building on bad qualities. Not even bad qualities, but, like, if you've got something that's bothering you, it's just going to keep piling on that or that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And I think... I think Daniel's shown that he's got an issue with a lack of control. Yeah, I would, where, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, like, I feel like any of those instances where he feels like there's no control he can exert on a thing, where he thinks he should be able to, that's when he gets most frustrated. And I I don't know quite how this... This is where my, my connection where I... Like, I like, in my heart, I feel that there's a connection here, but I don't know how to verbalize this. But I feel like it also kind of probably ties to his his ultimate goal and his ultimate frustrations of trying to find Sade and, like, get back that life that he had before all of this started happening, you know? I can see that. Yeah, one thing goes wrong and you lose your whole life. Exactly, yeah. I Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> You've been... You tied it there for me, because I was like, I don't know how to say how it connects, but in my heart I feel that it does. Yeah. Yeah, no, the sense of loss is very heavily ingrained in his character, so it definitely comes through in these ways. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So that's, but yeah, but I, uh, so it's a great moment with, like, his acting and everything, and, like, and I definitely, yeah, I think, like, that one false step, maybe he's thinking of the one one false step where he decided to uncover the gate again and, like, all that kind of shit. Uh, but then, like, after he, like, you know, freezes and everything, after having the little breakdown, and Jack's kind of, like, looking at him, like, you okay? And Daniel just kind of stares down at the table in, like, exhausted, like, and he just goes, I have a headache again. I do love how he's, he's like that, where he's, like, he, he can go really mad to just instantly coldly logical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As he just all of a sudden gets a firm grasp of his emotions and goes, wait, this is different. Yeah, so he goes back to get checked again, because obviously he's feeling bad again, and he, as she's, like, checking him over, and she's like, well, your pupils are, you know, dilated and everything, um, and as she's checking him out, and, like, still not really seeing any evidence of something wrong with him, he's like, well, I'm already starting to feel better again, and so they're like, okay, well, what's happening when you were feeling like that? And he starts talking, he's like, and he realizes that he was feeling bad while he was watching the tape. And Sam, because all of them are there, he's their team and they care about each other. <laughs> um, Sam has, Sam has a brain moment where she's like, "Wait a second. And so she drags everyone to the uh, the the gate dialing room where I guess they have all their their best computers. Maybe I don't know. 
I don't know why they couldn't have gone to one of their offices, but it's fine. Um, and she's, I guess they probably have immediate access to the UAV recordings in that room. Because that's, that makes sense. Yeah, it works. So they go to that room and she's like, okay, um, she starts looking for, in the recording, she like, looks for a frequency of sound that we can't immediately hear. Which is a thing. You know, there's plenty of sounds that oh, yeah. are happening all around us that we just don't hear. Dude, dog know? whistles. Exactly, yeah. Um, and even with among humans, there's this whole thing where um, kids and teenagers can hear a frequency that older adults cannot hear. Uh, my favorite thing that is an example of it is I love video games are starting to do this thing now where apparently some, some horror games are using frequencies in their music that are below mm -hmm. the normal register of hearing and so they can invoke feelings of dread and oh. uh, terror in their <laughs> victims as they play the game <laughs> that's clever yeah, honestly and it's all this like subliminal shit that just it literally is undercurrent of sound that you can't hear with like the naked ear but you're hearing it nonetheless and it's affecting you and it just makes you that much more scared when you're playing this horror game and I don't... No, that's smart yeah. to put all of the elements into crafting yeah. something. Yeah, I, I feel like there has to be a, a warning at the beginning of that game <laughs> that's like, by the way, you might feel paranoid <laughs> or... I'm sure there's probably something <laughs> yeah. on the back I would, of the It would have to be, right? Like, there would have to be some sort of warning, because otherwise that's yeah. just terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of like how y you have to warn in games for, like, flashing lights as well, you know? Uh, so... Sorry, hang on. So yeah, she finds, she does find an unheard frequency in the, the tape. Yeah. Um, and Janet says the sound is what was making them feel bad. And um, Sam says it was also probably what caused the UAV to crash. Like the, the frequencies in it were messing with the radio frequencies for the UAV. It's good that that is a thing because otherwise Sam is not helping the cause. Yeah. <laughs> And so they also suggest that the sound, yeah, so they, they're figuring that out, but they're like, wait, but maybe the sound isn't making the aliens sick because this one's been getting worse since coming back to SGC, whereas you guys have been getting better. And at this point, Teal comes through, um, having dragged himself <laughs> back after his, his own little struggle, um, but immediately feels better after coming through the gate. And he describes his experience on the planet with the plants. And uh, Daniel has, from that description, he kind of, you know, with Sam and Janet's. I, I like that the resolution to this mystery is everybody adding little things, you yeah. know? Um, and so Sam figured out that there's the unknown frequency, and then Daniel, from what Teal says, is like, oh, I've got an idea. So, and he starts to leave without everyone, and then he has to, like, turn back around and be like, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get a good little scene of, of Daniel, like, having a realization and starting to rush off, and then turning back around and be like, come on! <laughs> Which is another good little Daniel staple. So, he he realizes that the UAV crashing into the plant changed the sound of the plant. And the sound change is what's making the alien sick. Because he basically gets um, the person in the control booth to play uh, like the, the sound frequency from the UAV before it crashed 
and compares it to after it crashed. And there's a distinct difference. Right. It's obviously a lot more discordant right. in the, the after the crash. And Janet figures out um, the aliens must need the happy sound to, like, function um, and connects that to the alien not wanting the ultrasound and figures out that that one organ that applies, like, their heart must be sound sensitive. This does beg the question, so this seems to indicate to me that somehow, up until this moment, there hasn't ever really been any catastrophic damage to any of those plants ever on this planet. <laughs> because as soon as one appendage is fucked with, they all go down. <laughs> I will say, um, the only life we saw on those planets was those plant right. people I'm just, and the plants. I, I, I'm just making sure, I, I want on record that this planet has never experienced an asteroid or a meteorite. I'm just saying it is remarkable that nothing has ever <laughs> hit one of these planets before. Like, are you telling me that an avalanche hasn't happened somewhere? Or a landslide? Or a mudslide? Or a sinkhole? Literally any geologic event that would have ended in plant destruction. Here's the thing. Maybe it did, but on a completely different side of the planet. Maybe. And maybe the plant people over there yeah. are dead. I was speaking earlier about how life is fragile. How, that indicates that any life that does exist is kind of inherently lucky. Because it means that any number yes. of things that could have fucked us did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we got to evolve to the yeah. next stage. I'm not saying it's unlikely because technically by our existence we're proving that yeah. fragile fucking life can exist and mm -hmm. even thrive somehow. Despite odds kind of being a little stacked against it, if you think about it. So, I'm not against it. I just wanted it on record that we are establishing that this episode seems to be, by itself, establishing that nothing has ever fucked with one of these fungi ever before. Near the gate, at least. <laughs> Granted, yes. If that is the parameter we're going with. But yes, okay, cool. I told you, I'm not mad. Sometimes I just need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, it's just, you just gotta plant that idea. I do also kind of wonder, like, they never say anything about it, but I do always sort of wonder, especially because of the timing of some of the, the plant people fainting around uh, Jack and Daniel's arguments. Yeah. If, like, maybe the sound, like, building between the arguments didn't help. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's called um, a combination tone. It's when you literally have two tones that combine and make a third one. So who knows? Maybe their arguing was causing a sound tone <laughs> that was yeah, not maybe. good to them. So like maybe if if the UAV had crashed, but like SG-1 had never gone to hang out with those people and introduce their own discordant sounds, maybe they would have passed out for a little while, but everything would have fixed itself sooner. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's all a lot of uh, there's a lot of maybe there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's there's a whole lot of maybe, yeah. but it's it's an acceptable level of maybe. Uh, so basically, to test their theory, um, they take they get a tape of the good sound before the UAV crash, and they play it for the alien that they have at SGC, and it gets better. I know it's so I know then, it's in the name of goodness, and I know it's good experimentation, but they are technically experimenting on their patient. Yeah, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, they only do stuff, and this isn't the first time they've done something like this. Uh, like they brought Michello through without knowing right, anything, right. you know. But like, ultimately, when they do do things like this. They're doing it because they're worried right. this thing's gonna yeah. no, die. Like I said, I know they're doing it for good reasons. Yeah. It's just always a yeah, little exactly. Like, I'm always just a little meh feeling about it yeah yeah you know you're not wrong 
but I mean, it's military. What do you <laughs> right? Like, what do you expect? I mean, as we've yeah, learned exactly. about the civilian government, there's really not a lot to be happy about there either. So no. So uh, it worked. So they're like, okay, we have a solution. We can go help everyone. So they bring a big old kind of like radio broadcasting device out with them um, to the the village. Sam sets it up to start playing the frequency emitter and suggests they observe the effects from a distance. I have so many problems with how they did the speaker arrangement because I'm, I'm not saying that this equipment wasn't necessary. I just think it's really fucking dumb, this idea that... I, I get the insinuation here that they're just gonna leave that there indefinitely. And it's like, that's a lot of alien tech to leave in the middle of an indigenous life form's base of operations and it's also kind of funny that the people that you saw drag off a uav you're trusting to totally not fuck with this thing at all well i think it's much heavier than a uav so they well i meant like the little antenna much. i mean like little bits i mean i mean just fucking with like what happens if they want to climb that thing <laughs> i mean it's emitting the the healthy sounds so i don't feel like they would fuck with it but this is the thing are they able to make that connection yeah, I because I I the fact that they get affected by it as quick as quickly as they do compared to the team, and because of the fact that they've got that like warbling singing kind yeah. of thing, I feel like they can hear the sounds. Like we can't, but I feel like they. Yeah, can. no, I, I definitely get the indication that they can hear it too. Um, and I could see they they think that is a source of it, but we also don't know anything about them. Like we don't know. No, we how don't. like for example that when that scene that Daniel is introduced to the moving fungus it kind of looks like that one dude is interacting with it who the fuck yeah, knows how they interact with these plants so, so like i said what happens if they want to climb it what happens if they break one of the arms on this thing what happens if literally anything ever happens to this thing <laughs> i don't think they would climb it because uh if they tried to climb the plant that would probably break it and be but bad. that's the thing what if there's like an interaction they do with this plant where it like grabs onto them and hoists them around and does a little victory dance so you don't know <laughs> well here's the thing here's what i'm saying here um, you said indefinitely. I don't think it's indefinitely because, uh, it would be kind of ridiculous to leave a big expensive piece of right. equipment like that just on no, a planet That's what I'm saying. What I think they plan to do, and yes, again, it could have been, it's another one of those, let's just say one line about this. What I assume would be happening is they leave that thing there and they keep a, like, distant observation right. of this place until they can tell that the sound has fixed itself. Right. And then they can come back and fetch it and leave. Right. Well, that's what I mean by indefinitely, is they're leaving it there for as long as they need to, so until, like, yeah, said yeah. plant either heals itself or something else happens. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. definitely get the insinuation that some... Like, it's a plant. Plants heal. Like, that's Absolutely. a thing. Plants, they bounce They back. do new growth. Well, the episode ends with showing a whole bunch... The sound... Yeah working considering how this episode ends they might not even have to leave the planet before just taking this thing because it, it almost seems to be insinuating that them just introducing this healing sound into the area has rejuvenated the plants themselves no, and, I, and i agree with you there i'm just yeah this is another spot where some follow-up dialogue would have been yeah, yeah, this is one of those things we're showing it isn't quite cutting it yeah those the first thing i think is okay what because they just walk off without a follow-up line. So you're left to just assume, obviously, either they're just going to leave it there and hope for the best, mm -hmm. or they're not, but they have a follow-up plan, which is... Yeah. And so it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So you're just trusting that, A, this can get left here for this amount of time and it's not going to cause any problems, and B, that these people aren't going to fuck with it. Because, again, you don't actually know that much about them. You only have a couple of days' interaction with them, and you don't know anything about them. Uh -huh. So... And again, those things were pretty spaced apart. It could just be that nothing's ever been actually hit by, like, a meteorite before, right? 
this thing's bigger. What if today is the day that nature went, hey, this, what if this is like Final Destination where death is mad that you escaped it? So it's like, guess what? <laughs> you saved him today, but tomorrow I'm gonna have the first fucking meteorite come down. I'm gonna hit this big metal ugly piece of shit you left here. What happens if literally anything happens to it? Yeah, I got the same idea. Or maybe they're they're having a group of like checking up on yeah. them, you know, checking in to make sure shit's good mm -hmm. if it needs to be a long-term project. I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. this is what I don't like about wrap-ups is wrap-ups yeah. very rarely address all the details. <laughs> well, I did notice that like as they were solving the mystery, there was like three minutes left of the episode. <laughs> And I was like, wow, you guys are cutting that a little close, huh? Yeah, they, they leave the last scene for an unnecessary scene of just questionable as shit CGI, where all of a sudden these mushrooms, I guess it's supposed to go, look, they're all better now, and they all just respond immediately. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. And they all just immediately start flowering, too. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, we already <laughs> got the effect by those... You already did a show effect when you showed the people coming out and singing. You really didn't need that last little bit. You could have used that on something else. Also saved a yeah, lot in your CGI budget. That, really. <laughs> you could have saved that money in the CGI budget. Yeah, but so that's how the episode ends, is with um, us getting like a, a background shot of all of these, these mushroom things sort of growing tall and blooming little flowers at the end, which... They wanted to be like, look, everything's gonna be fine. The only acceptable <laughs> ending here to that flowering montage is that you would have had a sound over Daniel's exactly <laughs> because look at all the pollen <laughs> being like related he... here. Like, that's a lot of pollen being released. So yeah, I like how you and I immediately yes. have the same. <laughs> exactly. That's the only thing that would have made that acceptable. I think that is proof that we are the same person. Yes. It's like I love the Serenity movie and I love the ending uh -huh. of Serenity. I love the Serenity yeah. movie. I love the ending of it, too, because, you know, the thing opens with that panel flying off, and the ending where the panel flies off and leads them to credits, and you just hear this last bit of audio from Mal where he says, what was that? Yes, yes, yes. It's just <laughs> terrific. I love that little shit. I think it's harmless little gems oh, yeah. of comedy. So, you know, that would have worked here, and it would have, this was not, that would have been fun. This was, a, this was an episode that toyed with comedy, so it could have, it wouldn't have been out of place, and again, it would have helped with that god-awful CGI. Yeah. They missed a, a Yes, a that was a golden there, opportunity but... that just went yeah right over their head but yeah uh that is the end of the episode <laughs> hey dude only two hours and 45 minutes let's do this Woo! all right so uh nobody died no uh are you a jack or a daniel you know it's kind of hard to decide but i think i'm daniel because i i would have been pissed as fuck if it turns out my actions were the ones that like, come on man remember that i told you that story once where i accidentally stepped on a snail and i was like crying the rest of the day and i was in my 20s <laughs> like i stepped on a snail and I was like, oh my god, what have I done? Because I was like, you poor dude, you were just walking and I crushed you in your house and I ended everything. Oh god, I pierced him with his own shell. Like, god, that's just... A <laughs> like, I was traumatized from that. So I'm a, I'm a one false step kind of person myself. That being said, I would have I reacted differently and, and I, by that, I, I would have had this reaction earlier. Uh-huh. But yeah, I feel like I'm more of a Daniel just by all the core reactions. Also... Jack is not my kind of dick this episode. That is a sentence out yeah, loud. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is I, uh... When you're an asshole, you're not that kind yeah, of asshole. No. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a Daniel in this episode because I have the same level of frustration anger as him. Yeah, right? Like, we're just not here for a lot of the shit's happening today. Yeah, like, I, I tend to... What I, what I like about the way they react to their argument <laughs> is that there's a very, like, impulsive response to it, where their argument is an impulse, and afterwards they realize that it was an impulse, and they're embarrassed by oh, yeah, that. Yeah. And, like, the impulse 
argument type that Daniel has is 100% the sort of impulsive reaction I have when I'm frustrated. Yep, that anger dance is... Yes. Well, there's a reason I can perfectly emulate that anger dance when I show it to people. <laughs> if if either of us wound up on a planet with weird mushrooms that emitted subsonic frequencies that made us angry, we would both act like Daniel. That'd be a sight. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. Uh, so, Joaquin Phoenix. Thumbs up, man. Hell yeah, I love this episode, and I'm so glad, because we've had a couple where we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this episode, and then we would, like, I don't think we've ever had an episode that we were looking forward to, and then ultimately came out giving it a thumbs down, but we've had episodes that we were looking forward to, where, like, <laughs> afterwards we're like, ooh, ooh yeah, we forgot no. there were some <laughs> problems in this episode, but like... It's just a good episode. Like, obviously there are weak points. Every episode has weak points. But I think a lot of the weak points are weak points of the show itself. And not the episode, really. And I appreciate these writers. I appreciate the new voice they brought. Yeah. I feel like they very, they very distinctly brought a fresh voice and vision to this episode that was well appreciated. Didn't have any, it didn't have any connection to any previous episodes no. or any future episodes. It was just a nice little, you know, I say monster of the week. There's no real monsters, but you know, that, that's a, that's a category. It's always one of those kind it's of a moments. Nice little monster of the week. Yeah, honestly, I'm always like laughing a little bit at episodes that follow important plot point episodes because they very rarely reference the plot point. So for example, Apophis just died. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe he got brought back to life. Maybe. But either way, that's a big thing. Amonette's and hidden somewhere. Chlorelle yep. is missing in action. Like, there's some big questions. And yet they're just like, la la la, fungus. Yeah, exactly. I get it. They're just doing the next thing. But it's it's always a little funny to me whenever an episode just doesn't bring up anything. Yeah. But yeah, that is it for this week. Yep. A nice, delightful little escape. Yes. Next week, we're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 20, Show and tell. I can't... I don't remember it either. We'll both be kind of surprised. I, I don't know if I want to be surprised. I'm the summary and I don't know. I don't know if I want to be surprised. Is it the one with the kid? I can tell you... Is it the one with the kid? I can tell you... Is, huh? it, is it the one with the kid? Yes. I feel like I know this episode, but looking at the summary, I'm like, I don't remember anything about this. I feel like once I start watching it... I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're going to like it. It's, it involves an invisible person. That doesn't always lead to something. Yeah, I, I can't remember if this one does or not. I just remember it's cute, so I kind of like it. Yeah, well, I, like I said, looking at it, I'm like, I feel like I should know this episode, but I can't remember it. So I'm sure as soon as I start watching it, I will remember it. I will tell you the week after that is 1969. Yes! I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> victory dance. I don't know why it's a victory, just because I love this fucking episode. I love 1969 so much. There's I love so many good things about that episode. I love how no one will, at no show ever that can involve time travel ever leaves hippies alone. It has to do hippies. It no, has no, no. to have hippies in it. And I'm here for it. Oh, um, so the good news is... <laughs> Next week's episode is written by Jonathan Glasner. Oh, nice. And the week after that is written by Brad Wright. Okay, cool. So, so we're in for a good couple of weeks. Let's let's just let's just do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Cool. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at it's Mel Not Liss or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com 
or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. Do not throw a Sagan, wor Sagan wormhole. Sagan box, those are expensive. So mad. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs>